0: And thank you all for being here. Uh, I echo what Susanna shared, and it's good to be in God's house. And welcome to Get Well, where we're all getting well. Uh, We've been in a sermon series through November where the focus has been on two words. Those two words are only Jesus. Two important words for us. Let's think about it. Uh, The word only simply meaning no other. exclusive, singular, nothing more, all that I need. The other word is Jesus, meaning Son of God, Savior, light of the world, our hope, our rescuer, our redeemer, God's own Son. The book of Colossians uh, centers around those two words, only Jesus. Paul, the author of Colossians, uh, he was all about Jesus. In the first three chapters of Colossians, you will find that the word Jesus is mentioned 50 times. And so for Paul, he was all about Jesus and he wanted the people in uh, the church in Colossae to be all about Jesus as well. Uh, Colossians is one of the prison letters. Paul is writing this letter while he's awaiting trial in Rome. Uh, Paul, a Jew, but because he's also a Roman citizen, is given a trial uh, for the things that he's been accused of. So, he is there in Rome awaiting trial. Uh, there are many things that you can read about in Acts 16 and also Acts 24. Charges against Paul, the reason that he is in prison. Uh, there were charges against him because he was uh, advocating customs that were not uh, part of what Rome wanted to do. So, he's dealing with that with the Romans on one hand. And on the other hand, there are charges against Paul for stirring up unrest among the Hebrews. And if to just add icing on the cake, if that wasn't enough, um, Paul takes four recent converts, Gentile converts to Christianity, right into uh, the Hebrew temple. My goodness. Think about that. You've got Gentile who's now Christian in a Hebrew temple. You talk about uh, ecumen- being an ecumenical kind of ministry right there. It's on steroids uh, for Paul, where he's just opening up the doors there, and it's causing all kind of problems. He stirred the pot, not just a little bit. So with multiple charges against him, Paul has been shipped off to Rome. And all of this was happening during a time when uh, persecutions uh, of the Christians was at a fever pitch. For most Christ followers, they were not given a privilege of a trial like Paul was going to get. If you were a Christ follower, uh, they would normally just martyr you right there, just kill you on the spot. So even with a trial pending, Paul's days are numbered. History will tell us that after the trial, that the Romans will decapitate Paul. Uh, He would be martyred for his faith. But for Paul, his future death, it really didn't matter. If his death was for Christ, uh, he's not commiserating. He's not wringing his hands over his future. Because we read about that in Philippians 1.21, where Paul says, For me to die is Christ to live is gain. Uh, For Paul... It was a win-win situation either way but whether Paul lived or died it was all about Jesus you see Paul had been so transformed by the love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus that he knew what his life was before and he knew how his life had been transformed and he could never never get over that transformation and he wanted others to know about it he wanted others to find the real meaning of life For Paul, it was all about Jesus. May the same be said for you and for me. In our series, we've talked about the greatness of Jesus. Last week, we talked about the suffering of Jesus. Today, we're talking about the sufficiency of Jesus, basically asking, is Jesus enough? How would you answer that question? Is Jesus enough for you? If you, like Paul, found yourself awaiting a trial, and your answer to the questions about your faith determined your future, whether you lived or died, what would your answer be? How would you answer? Then again, we answer that question every day in some sort of way, don't we? Is Jesus enough? In life, we worry uh, about whether things are enough. Uh, There's different things that just occupy our mind. We worry, did I study enough for the test? Did I give the kids enough lunch money uh, for lunch? Is my credit score good enough in order for me to get the mortgage that I'm applying for? Or have I saved enough for retirement? The word enough is a crazy word, but hidden underneath that word is a sense of anxiety, of uncertainty dealing with that word enough. Now, there's some complementary words that go along with that word enough. Uh, Let me give you a few. Uh, Sufficient, adequate, plenty, abundant. With that being the case, how do you answer the question, is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus adequate? Is he sufficient? Is he plenty? Is he abundant for you? Is there a concern that you have, do you have a feeling inside that something's missing? Or you need to add to your relationship with Jesus? Do you question, could there be more that I need beside just Jesus? In the second chapter of Colossians, Paul is addressing that very uh, matter of the sufficiency of Jesus. Paul's giving the folks in Colossians uh, some basic truths that can serve uh, as a foundation for their soul. Truths uh, that can face the culture that he's living in that's trying to sway him or or cause him to to do things different or to think uh, that they believe that something's missing in their relationship with Jesus. Make them think that their their relationship with Jesus doesn't quite measure up to the standard uh, for them. So the Colossians, like us, they're living in a culture where it's okay to believe that you have to add uh, more to your relationship, that only Jesus is not adequate. You see, there were outside influences in this early church uh, that caused them to think that Jesus was not enough, teachings that were causing them to worry that there were some loose ends that they needed to tie up, teachings that caused them to think that there's some something out there left undone that needs to be done, beliefs from various outside sources among this early church that prompted them. To believe that if they wanted real salvation, then real salvation was not just found in Jesus, but you had to add something to it. Sound familiar? Paul, knowing that this was happening, gives the Colossians some rock-solid truths, some anchors, if you will, that address the questionable influences that's causing them to worry whether Jesus is enough or not. Let's look at these truths that Paul mentions in Colossians 2. Truths that will hold us firm in today's culture, where culture and outside influences also want us to question whether Jesus is enough or not. Take, for instance, this first rock-solid truth that you and I desperately need to settle, and we need to settle this today for you and me. We've got to get a grip on this. Because for Paul, he encouraged the Colossians, and he encourages us to stand firm in Christ alone. For Paul, this was foundational. For Paul, this was non-negotiable. It was a principle that basically helps define whether Jesus is enough or not. Here's that principle. How so? How do we stand firm in Christ alone? I see it like this. It begins by the posture, or the position, of standing firm. You see, I am standing. I got up out of my chair, I stood, I walked up on this platform, and I am currently standing. So, that's what I was doing beforehand. So, how do I stand firm? Well, it's taking a different position, a different posture, where I am now, standing firm. It's a position that I know that life is coming against me in which my feet are planted and I am not going to be moved. There's something deep down inside that will hold me when those things come against me because I need to stand firm. So physically, we get to see what it looks like for us to stand firm. The question for us is now, how do we change that from the physical nature to the spiritual nature. That's what we want to know. From what I was before in just standing and doing life, to how can I now stand firm in Christ alone? How do I do that? How do I shift to allow me to stand firm physically? It's a good question. Let's let Paul answer for us. Look in your Scripture. It's going to be on the screen. But I want you to see these words that Paul is writing to the Colossians. And it's in verse 2 of Colossians 2. Paul writes, and you'll see it. He says, My purpose, your translation may say my goal. My purpose is that they, meaning the Colossians or us, may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Notice the formative pieces of what Paul is putting down for us. I've had them underlined. I want you to not miss them. You may want to write them down because these are so important if we're going to learn how to stand firm spiritually. What is the end result Of what he's saying because he said we want to be encouraged in heart united in love so we may have full and complete understanding of what that we may know christ that is the end result that's the goal to know christ to know jesus i think for paul he understood and he wants us to understand that if i know jesus and i truly know him And if I identify how Jesus was with me in the past and how he walked with me then and how I know how Jesus has been with me in the present and how Jesus has been in the good times and also the hard times. For Paul, that is the one stabilizing factor for us to learn how to stand firm spiritually, for us to understand that we can stand unwavering in who I know Jesus is and what he offers to my life. You see, that shift of position allows me to no longer be dependent on my power, on my perseverance, that I have to grit my teeth in order to face life head on. No. But now it shifts to who Jesus is in his power and in his perseverance and who I know Jesus is. Knowing Jesus and who he is allows me to stand firm spiritually. This principle, it is key for us today in our culture. We have to know Jesus, and we have to know what he brings to our life. We have to know who he really is for us. We can no longer, no longer be satisfied to know the name of Jesus and know about him. This knowing Jesus is key in a world today because found in so many churches among too many followers of Christ, there is a satisfaction, there is a complacency, there is an apathy just to know the name of Jesus, to know the particulars or the stories about Jesus, to be people who recite platitudes defining Jesus, who sit in Bible studies and hear about Jesus but never know Jesus. To know all about Jesus, but not to know him personally and what he has to offer. And folks, there was a time in my life that I was that person where I was just satisfied to know his name, to wear his name, to go to his church building. And to whisper his name, if those things of life came against me, that's when I would talk to Jesus. But I didn't know him fully, and I didn't know him personally. For you and for me, to know Christ, to know Jesus, has got to be a priority for us. Because you know, as I know, there are going to be times in life times of life that will sneak up on us, and it'll cut our legs out from under us. And we don't need just to know the name. We need to know the person and to know him fully and completely. We need to know him. In verse 2 of Colossians 2, Paul makes this so clear. Paul used the words, encouraged in heart. Folks, that's not an emotional encouragement. That's not a way to go. That's not a pat on the back. That's not a good job type of encouragement that Paul is mentioning here. Encouraged in heart for Paul is an encouragement that you and I have to know at the core of our being. It's an encouragement that is found in the depth of our soul. It's an encouragement simply meaning that's non-negotiable. That's a truth that I'm holding on to because I know deep down in my gut that is unshakable about Jesus. And because I know what I know about Jesus, it gives me the ability to stand firm. Stand firm spiritually because I know better yet because I've learned I've learned that Jesus is enough for me. Paul lived this out firsthand in his own life. Here's how it worked for Paul's life. Paul, his gut level, encouraged in heart moment happened on the Damascus Road. On his quest to persecute Christians, Paul, he was struck blind. And in that blinding moment of his where he encountered Jesus firsthand, that encounter changed his life forever. And even though that moment was hard, even though that moment didn't make sense to Paul, even though that moment was frightening for Paul, that encouraged moment of his heart on that Damascus road was something that he was able to go back to time and time and time again, whatever life brought toward him. And it was in that moment that Paul was able to to get his strength from from Jesus. Reminding Paul one more time who Jesus was. Of the reality of who Jesus is to Paul. Giving Paul the strength to stand firm spiritually. One more time whatever would come his way. It was that encouraged a moment heart for Paul. Where Paul found that Jesus was enough for him. What would you say that moment is for you? My goodness, I think about all this. And I think how privileged I've been to walk with so many of you through some of the hardest times of life imaginable. Oh, how my heart has hurt for you. And I've told Becky said, I don't know how so-and-so, and and I'll name your name, I don't know how they're going to make it because it seems like life is just blown up in your face. And it's one thing after the next that just is piling on on top of you. So in my feeble human attempt, I have tried to share words of comfort and hope with you. I've tried to let you know that there's a body of believers walking and believing in you as you're walking this hard, hard path of life that seems so unreasonable. Experiences that you and I know, that's not what life is to be about. And while I try to give comfort and hope to you, you know what happens on most occasions? You say back to me, Bill, I know God has this. I know that my Redeemer lives. And no, I don't like what I'm going through one little bit. I don't understand it. Yes, I wish it was different. But then you say to me, because I know what I know, because I know and I have found Jesus in the reality and fullness of who He is, I know that He's beside me. I know he's walking with me. And because I know what I know, I'm standing spiritually firm. I know that I'll make it. And I'm thinking right there. There is a Christ follower who's sharing a testimony of encouraged in heart moment. And I've seen it time and time again. That's the gut level, encouraged of heart moment that Paul is talking about that will give us the ability to stand firm in Christ alone. It's a statement of our faith in who we believe and who we have found that allows us to face the storm because I know that Jesus is enough. Where does such strength and ability come from? Doesn't come from Bill. Doesn't come from what I might say to you in difficult times, but from knowing what you know, because you know who Jesus is. And for you, Jesus is enough. And so today, if that is you, if that's what you know to be true in your life, I want to hear, I want you to hear Paul's words of blessings spoken over you it's not going to be on the screen you need to find it in your scripture because it's in verse 5 and here's the words of Paul verse 5 chapter 2 that I Paul delight delight to see how firm your faith in Christ is receive that blessing of Paul that doesn't mean that we don't have our doubts We don't have our struggles, uh, that we won't reach a point where we throw up our hands and say, I've had enough. It means that down here, where I push the weeds back, where I walk through the muck of life, I know that Jesus is enough. But Paul, he gives us another principle that helps us stand firm spiritually. And that principle is to be full in Christ alone. Be full in Christ alone. I want you to look at verse 13 and following. It's going to be on the screen. And Paul's words should set us free. It should allow us to cloud walk uh, with joy because Paul lists what Jesus did for us. And let's see it on the screen. It says, when you were dead in your sins, look at this. When you were dead in your sins. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. Let that soak in, folks. Let it just wash over you. But he continues in verse 14, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, that means everything's taken off the books. Nothing is left For that work to be done it's already done but look at this part of the verse verse 14 he took it away nailing it to the cross there ought to be an amen right there claim it folks but hold on because here we go this is just the overflowing of what it means of being full in Christ, because we see it in verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authority, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You just got to love verse 15. Jesus didn't say he disarmed the evil powers and authorities that were caused doubt and questioned whether Jesus is not enough, not at all. It says he made a public spectacle of them, Paul is using a metaphor of a Roman victory parade. When a Roman general came back from a a battle, from war, he would just walk through the streets, and it was a great celebration. And it would uh, just show the spoils and also uh, the captives that they had uh, captured. And they were just walking through the streets. And that's the image that we have here. Folks, when it seems like life might be winning, When it seems that the evil one is winning, you and I, we remember that Jesus has triumphed over all that by the cross. He is leading the parade. And those who seek to do you harm, those that fill your head with crazy notions and thoughts about your faith and whether Jesus is enough, uh, they've been stripped of their power. And their inferiority has been forever exposed and is put on display for all to see. Those questions, uh, those doubts, those anxieties where we wonder if Jesus is enough, all fall into a pile of shattered rubble. How? Because Jesus won the victory. We began today by asking the question. Is Jesus enough for you? Is he? I thought about this. And all of you know how I love my Mississippi State Bulldogs. Someone has to do it. You know, for us, there's always next year. In one of those next year seasons we were in, just pick a season because it's always next year. In one of those next year seasons, uh, Mississippi State football team uh, had a saying, and they crafted this saying because things were not going very well for them, and there were a lot of fair weather uh, fans that were giving them a hard times, and so they came up with this saying. They crafted it, and uh, it speaks so much of our team because they said in this saying, "We all we all we got." We all we need. We all we got, we all we need. It was a saying that simply affirmed, say whatever you want. We're going to do our best. We are a team, and we're going to stay together because we all we got and we all we need. I thought about how that applies uh, to what we're talking about today for the sufficiency of Jesus. I thought about the blind man that Jesus healed. the blind man jesus all he got jesus all he need i thought about the woman with the issue of blood and for her jesus all he she got and jesus all she need i thought about the paralytic that was let down through the hole in the roof and for him jesus all he got jesus all he need and i thought about the tomb of lazarus and jesus all he got jesus all he need and peter denied jesus jesus all he got jesus all he need and then i thought about the cross of calvary and for all of us for this world jesus all we got jesus all we need jesus is enough period in a sentence the anchor the gut level truth for us because when you feel ignored when you feel taken advantage of he is enough he's all you need and when you're afraid when you're confused he's enough he's all you need he's enough when you're tempted to do what you say you never do when you've given up on life and any hope he's all you need He's enough when you're giving up on yourself. He'll be enough when you take your final breath. He's enough when you stand before God, your Father, on that judgment day. He is enough. He's all you need. So get well, you and I. We were designed to make a difference to change the world. But before God makes a difference through you, He wants to make a difference in you. Let Him change you by filling you with His Spirit and giving you power like you have never known before. Stand firm in Christ alone, be filled with Christ. He is enough, Jesus is all we got. Jesus, all we need. Amen. Let's pray together. In Christ alone, you are a rock, you are an ever present help. And I pray for my brothers and sisters today that we make that commitment that we will stand firm in you because we know what we know because we know it. And we will not waver, but we will stand firm because you so deserve that from us. And I pray that we will just be full of Christ, just overflowing with the joy that's before us. And so as we sing about you and sing that song, Let your spirit fall on this place. And as you prompt us to respond to you, let us be willing just to run to you, giving you thanks for who you are. You all we got. You all we need. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. As Candace leads us, altar rails are open. Hunter and I will be down front. Love to pray with you, but this is your time, your time with your Heavenly Father, and He is waiting, but it's in Christ alone. He is our rock. Let's sing together.